1: Loaded episode today, we have sort of a three topic episode. Some topics that didn't make the cut for full episodes by themselves, but some ones that kind of we think will meld together good enough anyway. But things we and also things we just wanted to discuss. So the three topics we're covering is more tech layoffs. Classic. I should say this in my like CNN voice, although I don't watch CNN. I don't know what that is, but you know what I mean? It's like in the background, you just hear like another major problem. And you know, you know what I mean? Like almost yep. like the traffic traffic vo- anyway. <clears throat> I'm gonna try it. More tech layoffs. We need more than just that title, though. I just realized like I can't just do that voice and just have that be the end of the more tech layoffs and other That's news. A- <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> HTMX is real, but that is the next thing we're gonna be talking about. We're talking about HTMX. We do have another episode actually with the founder, the creator of HTMX. You can go and check that out as well. I'll put that in the show notes if I remember. But you can go check that interview out. It's a year or more old now, but go check that out. And also, we're going to be talking about friends with ideas, not the show, by the way. So if this sounds interesting to you. And you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review rating on your podcast app. Join us in a Discord server or share this with your friends. And now, Mike, Tech
2: Layoffs, what do you got for us? What's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So I figured, like, honestly, my my thought initially for when the year started, 2024, was that we're finally out of it. Like, you know, economy is doing a little bit better. Maybe at this point, Q1, that usually means uh, not tech layoffs, but tech hiring. But what actually ended up happening was, no, it's even more tech layoffs. So we had an episode, I don't know how many, a few months back now, uh, where we talked about the state of the industry. And that's when the initial, or like at least the first few big layoffs happened. Big layoffs at Google, big layoffs at uh Amazon, ad, all the big tech companies had pretty big layoffs all at the same time. It seems that it did trickle down, like it stopped on, on mass. But then in January, as soon as January hit, someone started a layoff and multiple other companies started to lay off people at the same time as well. What happens with those kinds of scenarios is a lot of times companies have layoffs planned. And they're just waiting for another big company to uh, slide in and be like, I'm laying off people before they announce theirs. And that's kind of an optics thing where they're not the only ones that are being pressured in a news cycle with layoffs. If it's spread out across many companies, then people talk about industry rather than company. And it just puts a lot of pressure off companies. So companies do that. It's a known tactic. So this is why a lot of times when a layoff is announced, you can expect all the other big companies that have are ready for it to start announcing theirs. And it turns into this kind of like big event where all of a sudden we're in tech layoff times and everyone's losing their jobs. But um, in this case, like it's not as big of a layoff as it was before. So right now there is a a number here that I have, 7,785 as of January in 2024. So January is not even over yet as January 18th right now. That does seem like a lot of people, but I believe last year Google laid off like 10,000 on their own. Um, So, I mean, this isn't as big of a number as that across all the companies because this is across all tech companies that are tracked. Uh, This number comes to me from layoffs.fyi. We'll have a link in the show notes if you're interested in kind of following that yourself. It's a live updating site that tracks layoffs, which is kind of interesting as a project. But... I want to talk about why this is happening um, and kind of update on, on, on the situation. So one one thing like that, that we've talked about last time was interest rates are still pretty high. So companies like startups, especially, and even huge companies, large, large corporations, a lot of times they would use loaned money to provide a hiring boost. So either investors, VCs or something like that would loan them or they would literally take from banks uh and use that money to hire more people to build up more teams to potentially increase their profits you know five ten or one to five to ten years down the line um because of the higher interest rates that's not happening as much so the free money like the low interest money a lot of people call it free because you just you're pretty much paying back the exact same amount of money that you take um with a little bit of an interest but now it's like you know five percent six percent interest you're you're paying a lot more back so people are or companies are a lot less likely to take on larger loans in, with the risk with a high risk uh, investment. So if like they have this really weird project that they wanted a team to work on that had like a 5% chance of, you know, 10 xing income, those kinds of projects are starting to become less profitable and start to make less sense because a lot a lot to do with the high interest rates, right? it's not because they're not making money. This is the weird thing about this type of layoffs or about this uh, economy that we're in. Like all of these massive tech companies are posting record profits. Microsoft just posted it. I mean, it's the biggest tech company now, period. Like it, it went, it it overtook Apple in valuation. Apple is still growing crazy. It had one of its best years selling iPhones. Like it, it literally outpaced Android, uh, which is the first time it's ever done that. So like, All these companies are actually doing extremely well. No one's no one's really suffering. I shouldn't say all some of them are probably having some issues. But for the most part, the tech industry as a whole isn't going down. It's just the economic situation is causing it to rethink its current stance of hiring and current stance of how many employees they have and future uh, profitability. Right. Everything that we do, everything that a a company, a public company, a VC funded company does is not for current profits or right now. They're thinking a year to 10 years down the line. They don't care about the now. That's why valuations for these companies are so out to lunch and don't make any sense. It's because those valuations are anticipated, anticipated income. And so if you're anticipating, you know, that this company is going to overtake and destroy all other companies, The market will have that effect on that company and people will invest in it based on that. So that they're not talking about the situation now. They're worried about the situation in the future. Therefore, they're starting to contract a little bit. They're starting to become leaner. Um, A lot of this was to do with the too much hiring that was still that was happening in the COVID era, COVID boom There was a ton of hiring. Like we mentioned in the last episode, some companies doubled in size, Amazon being one of them in terms of uh, employees. And some companies just went up like 50%, 40% employees. Like companies went up huge amounts of personnel in a very short amount of time, like one to two years. And of course, that's going to have an impact on a company. As soon as the faucet of money turns off, they have to start thinking about what they're going to do with all these extra people that you know, a lot of them probably aren't directly hitting their bottom line, like in a positive way. So on one hand, some of it's understandable. The unfortunate thing is that because the companies are profiting so crazily, the extent of these layoffs has seemed to be extreme. And honestly, like in my eyes, it's it's a little bit overzealous and a little bit a little bit crazy that they're laying off in the amounts that they're laying off during an economic period where they are profiting so much. They could have went about this a better way. Um, They could have done more transitioning. They could have done more reshuffling, stuff like that, given people a little bit more options uh, in terms of how they want to continue their career at the company. I don't know. I I can't speculate to the internal workings of these companies, but I do know that laying off a ton of people over and over and over again is going to affect them in ways that I think that they haven't experienced or they haven't understood yet, because again, A big portion of why tech was such a, you know, such a good career path, air quotes, in the past was that it had a lot of good job security. Like people went to fang companies because they're like, oh, I'm going to be there for five, 10 years. I'm going to get all my stock options. I'm going to invest in those stock options. I'm going to have a solid life ahead of me if I stay at this company. Well, if you're going to be known for years and years and years of layoffs on a consistent basis, even when you're profiting. Are people really going to migrate to you? Like, are are you going to attract the best talent? Like, these kinds of situations, I don't know if they thought this through personally. I don't know if this was top of mind when they were doing these layoffs. I think top of mind was how do we save, uh, how do we make as much money as possible? Well, laying off a bunch of people is the way to make a bunch of money right now. But in the future, I think it's going to bite them in the ass um, because other companies that didn't do this as much and other companies, other industries that weather the storm better. We'll have much better retention and much better and much easier time hiring top talent uh, in the future. So we'll we'll see how it all plays out. But I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to put my my hand on the pulse. Um, I'll let Matt kind of chime in with whatever he has. I I do want to talk a little bit about where I think the industry is and why I don't think you should panic or anything like that if you're learning development. But uh, I'll let Matt come in.
1: Well, I mean, this could be like a larger... Like like, like, okay, like you're you're saying, you know, companies shuffling companies doing this, companies doing that part of it's a lack of preparation. Part of it's also the fact that, I mean, you know, as blunt as this is, you're asking for a human touch in a place where human touch doesn't exist. A lot of these companies, everyone is a number. That's just the reality behind it. Like some companies, it isn't. But, you know, just to sort of. Break the unfortunate news, you know, kind of the elephant in the room, if you will. A lot of these places don't care. You know, you're a number. We have 100 developers. They're numbered one through 100. We need to get rid of 50. Bye. And if we need 50 later, we'll hire more. Don't care. Let's keep moving right now. That's very crude. And, you know, I'm not advocating for that sort of treatment, but that is what happens, unfortunately, especially with massive companies. Like you were saying, you know, sometimes somebody, some company, I think you said Google was over 10,000 layoffs overall. It's like, do you know every single one of those 10,000 people and our friends with them on Facebook and chat with them and, you know, sit down with them for dinner and drinks every now and then? No. You know, so unfortunately the human element does get removed from these companies, whether due to nefariousness or due to logistics that does happen, you know, to an extent, um, it's unfortunate and, you know, smaller companies can be that way and some smaller companies aren't because it's more of a human touch and they all hang out with each other or maybe they're even all friends and things like that like that does happen in these bigger companies things are becoming logistically unfeasible for everyone to be a quote-unquote family or whatever you know kind of advertisement that they say which is unfortunate also we've had the debate as well like you know whether they're whether we're going to see a huge economic downturn in canada we got mortgages coming up you know, not to be in making this an economic podcast, we got mortgage renewals coming up. Many people are just going to lose their houses straight up. They're going to have to sell their houses because the uh, mortgage rates have gone, you know, through the roof and people were barely making it as it is. Uh, you know, rents have raised and everything else. That's just the reality here, you know, in Canada, unfortunately. Um, and this does touch the tech sector, you know, I'm not an economist. I'm not a person to ask about investment advice, nothing like that. Obviously, I can only talk as a citizen seeing things, right? Some of the stuff I'm seeing is social media is all of it true who knows, but there are going to be some people that are going to lose their houses, there are going to be some people that are going to have to downsize. And there's a very good possibility that maybe they won't be able to downsize because there may not be anything to downsize to. So because we have a supply and demand problem in Canada with with housing. So, I mean, you can look it up, look up our housing bubble, if it even is a bubble, I don't know, I'm not an economist, but like that's going to affect things too, right? And, it, you know, it's an, it's affecting America as well, not to the same extent as it is in Canada for the, in terms of uh, the housing bubble, but, you know, not to, you know, rant and rave and all this, but Is that a consideration in these tech layoffs? Is that a consideration where they're going to say these people are going to stop buying iPhones and they're going to start keeping iPhones and keeping their phones and keeping their tech and fixing things rather than replacing things, you know, and are we getting ready for a huge recession? Are we getting, are we getting ready for a huge depression? Like who knows? I do know that when the first initial tech layoffs happened last year, that people were already referring to it as the recession. Now I see people referring to it as the recession again. Is this a recession? I don't know. Um, but I like it's possible that the money tap that all these companies are you know kind of raking in the money now that the money tap might start might start going away because you know we we've potentially hit the breaking point. Uh, I do know I I collect, like a lot a lot of people a collection of people uh, and Mike I'm sure you do too that you know have no savings have nothing like this and like with prices increasing like they can't buy a new iPhone you know what I mean they're at that point and that's going to affect a lot of people. And so the same thing goes for websites. If we were to, you know, bring it into the web development sphere, if you're a person that, you know, really wants to start a business, but you have zero dollars and you're worried about paying the rent, are you going to, you know, take the risk of starting the business? Maybe not, you know, there's a high chance. No. And then there's probably even a lower chance of you contacting a web developer and probably even a lower chance of you being able to afford a web developer to build the project out for you. You might not even be able to afford a no-code tool to build out a marketing site for yourself, like a Webflow or, or like a WordPress.com, not even self-hosted. So these are like otherworldly, like uh, meaning outside of the tech industry effects that these companies may may see as snowballing and may affect things. But I will say this is like what I'm saying is all doom and gloom, and I've heard the doom and gloom for like. Several years now, we all have. The Recessions next year, there's a recession next year, there's a recession next year. I mean, that's been said, what, like for over 10 years or something like years, that? 10 years, yeah. And it's and it hasn't happened. So whether what I'm saying is nonsense and you know, you're know you going to brush
2: me off as the old man grumbling about mortgage rates, maybe? We're, we're in unprecedented times. It's either going to be a recession or it's not. And people are saying it because one year maybe they'll be right. Uh, but everyone is always guessing. In ec- economics in general, everyone for the future of economics is guessing. There is no, The experts are all... Guessing, They're making educated guesses, but they are guessing because every time, every situation is different uh, as we progress as a society, things become very, very different. Uh, so we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, and neither do companies. So companies might speculate that stuff is not great. And, you know, if it is not great, they could be giga brain, Or if they isn't, they could have laid off people for no reason. That's the, that's the other uh, yeah. part of this, but they're, they could they're over, probably over doing, over based on, yeah, they could overlay off. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I do want to kind of mention a couple things. things. Uh, one thing to the people that were laid off, if some people, if some of the layoff, laid off people listen, listen to this podcast, I think Jack Forge had a really good way of putting this layoffs are not the same as being fired. Layoffs are an economic decision, not a performance decision almost all the time. When people are chosen, a lot of time those departments are chosen at random even, and it's not on the person's stake because a lot of people will be like, oh, you, if you didn't survive a layoff, you weren't the best at the company. That is a very closed-minded approach to it. A lot of times, again, Matt mentioned 10,000 people were laid off. The people that were doing the layoffs have no idea the performance impacts of those 10,000 people. They were doing it from a pure economic standpoint, like, hey, these people cost a lot of money. The, these cost sectors can be reduced without destroying the company, et cetera, et cetera. Not thinking about the individual. And that's how you should view it as well as a person that was laid off. This isn't a indication on you and on your resume. This isn't going to be a huge detriment at all. If I were to be hiring and I saw you were laid off, that would not be or you told me you were laid off. I would not think any any negatively at all. If you told me you were fired for negligence. Okay, that's a different story. Obviously, I would need to understand that whether you tell me that or not is also up to you kind of thing. So maybe don't do that. But regardless, a layoff isn't the same as being fired. It is not a negative point on your resume, in my opinion, and in a lot of hiring managers opinions that I've talked to. So keep your head up there. You have that experience from one of those big tech companies. It is Other tech companies are still hiring. And in fact, the companies that are doing layoffs are probably going to start hiring again soon too, because a lot of times these layoffs are a reorg in the sense that like they're trying to establish different organizations inside their company. And then they're going to need to build up those organizations, maybe not as much, but at least to some extent. So you might be able to hop from, you know, Microsoft to Google or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, So don't, don't put your head down. You still have a solid resume. It's still a really good factor. Um and and then the other side of things I I kind of wanted to address is the people that are getting into the industry right now. And I think this is like a lot of people I've seen on Twitter or I've seen in other social media platforms say like, "Oh, should I even try to be a coder anymore in 2024? Like with AI coming and the layoffs that are happening, should I even try to get into tech?" And my answer to that is yes, but it won't be as easy as you thought maybe in 2021 or 2020. Um, it will be just as hard as it was before that though. Like, I don't think the challenges of getting into tech have increased substantially or decreased substantially since 2019 or 2018 before there was a boom. Uh, it's always been pretty challenging. You've always had to go through several rounds of interviews. You've always had to have that portfolio. Uh, you've always had to have that extra little bit to differentiate yourself from the plethora of candidates because tech is still a pretty well-paid, uh, um, industry and a fairly good workplace environment industry as well so it's still people still want to work in tech so there is a lot of competition but that's why you're listening to this podcast because you want to gain that edge you want to get ahead you want to have that step one step forward and by listening you're getting yourself a little bit more information you're getting a little bit more motivation to do the next step which is obviously either network build that portfolio uh, join that community find find different ways that you can differentiate yourself from the thousands of other candidates, potentially, that are out there. You could still make it into tech in that in that capacity. That has not changed. Like I said, that's what I want to kind of put down to people that are worried and are thinking about giving up. It's still possible. It just will require some more effort. Well, there is a question there, too, on you on a personal level. If
1: you're in if you went into tech to try to find an easy job, that easiness has, has worn out. as 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 overstated it's welcome and there's you know a degree of difficulty of getting into any industry and that those industries will often shift as almost like how stock prices do they shift all the time due to market conditions and different you know big players doing things and things like that so i mean if you're a person that chases the easy way you're probably used to moving on you know you might you may have thought i'll get into tech and it'll be super easy and it isn't right now so you may want to move on to something else But you probably have already done that three or four times, whether it's career path or anything else in your life, like, oh, this hobby got too expensive. I'll move on to something else. But the people who are really passionate about, say, that hobby, or in this case, this particular uh, field, they're going to double down and they're going to make cooler portfolio projects. They might even try to do stuff where they do some freelance work to, you know, subsidize their income, or they may try to, you know, become influencers and work on YouTube, you know, making content and things like that. Like the the people that are passionate about web development are going to double down at a time like this because they do not want to lose the idea of not working in tech and not working in web development. But if you're a person that doesn't really care about working in web development and you're just there for the money or for the ease of it, the ease has seemingly dried up for the time being. Could it come back? Yes. So I do want to bring that up because there are going to be different people here where some of them are just going to think some people are just going to think it's going to be super easy. That seemingly has gone. There may be easy ways to get into everything. You know, there's a million more, well, more than a million businesses out there. And there may be some like there may be some industry out there that is going absolutely gangbusters. I used to work at a company years ago where they loved economic downturns because every economic downturn, they skyrocketed because they used to make. I'm not going to say what it is, but they used to make stuff that people would buy during an economic downturn and they loved it. They were like, oh, economics going down. Perfect. Let's hire some people. Spin up more stuff. Let's go. Let's make more, make more, make more because we're going to sell more. And it happened every single time. So. You know, it's different everywhere. Mike and I have discussed, you know, branching out. You don't want to like work in tech, but you don't have to work at a tech company. You don't have to work at Microsoft. You can go work at the post office because the post office has shipping trackers that are online. Things like that. This is where this is this is. I think these kind of downturns, you know, should make you almost like audit yourself and make you wonder, you know, if tech is difficult to get in or stay in, or if the the wages get squeezed and I'm affected by that, whether due to my you know responsibility of paying mortgages or whatever. Or due to the fact that I just want more money, maybe it's time for you to move on. And again, if you are one of those people that, you know, want the easy way out or whatever, then you're probably used to moving on anyway, right? Um, So maybe that, like, I just think you need to kind of do like a bit of a self audit and see whether or not this like industry is for you at a time like this. If you're not willing to weather the storm, maybe this isn't for you.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good way to put it and kind of wrap up this discussion. So. With that, uh, let's move on to the next piece of news or tech stuff that we want to talk about, which is HTMX. Uh, If you have been around Twitter or the tech sphere in the last year or so, you would have probably heard of a little library or a little meme account called HTMX. Uh, This is a really interesting story, actually. Uh, First of all, uh, Matt and I actually interviewed Carson, who is the creator of HTMX, I think in 2021 or something like that. It was a while ago. Uh, it, maybe even 2020, I can't remember, but it was a long time ago, well before the popularity, uh, skyrocketed. Um, and it was a really interesting library to us because we're really big fans of pure JavaScript and pure HTML and pure CSS. And what HTMX allows you to do is kind of step around JavaScript almost in your front end. You can do a lot of your coding, like you can actually be an HTML programmer. That's one of the memes that you can apply to htmx uh, because they use something called hypertext which is uh at like essentially html attributes to be able to interface between your client which is like your website and a server which would be host which would be doing the logic in whatever language you want uh and generating the html that would then be sent over to your front end to be replaced and interacted with using that hypertext on an html element so It's a different approach to front-end frameworks. It's a completely different way of thinking about it. It's been around for a while in different variations. I think Intercooler.js was one way before. uh, HTMX is made by, also maintained, made by Carson, by the way. Uh, And uh, now it's kind of just gone into the spotlight. And I wanted to discuss why that happened um, and a little bit about what it is and what I think about it. But essentially htmx got into a github accelerator program last year uh and with that kind of little push i think the creator of htmx carson who is a very talented marketer as it turns out uh went full fully into to creating htmx and b- making it better and advertising it he advertised it with memes like all all of twitter was constantly filled with people becoming HTMX CEOs for whatever reason and a bunch of different laser-eyed beasts talking about HTMX and all the YouTubers and streamers were all talking about HTMX because Carson and HTMX Twitter account was just posting memes all the time and talking about how HTMX is for real developers and talking about how it's easier and how it's great that you can use whatever back-end language and whatever other meme content you could possibly imagine around that around web development in general really and that put a lot of eyes onto it and uh, it went from when we talked to uh Carson at around 2000 stars on GitHub to almost 30,000, 27,591 as of today stars on GitHub that's a pretty meteoric rise for a really small UI library that's pretty niche still in my opinion uh, but it's it's taken off like and people like it like uh, the thing about this is that yeah he he does meme a lot and there's a lot of like really <laughs> really superfluous conversations and stuff that doesn't really matter to HTMX really as a thing. But the reason that people keep coming back to it and people talk about it in general is because it is a pretty good way of interacting with the website, especially if you're not a fan of JavaScript. And I think a lot of people in general, developers that have come from different walks of life and, and different uh, industries are not fans of JavaScript. And we just don't take, we, we take that for granted As web developers, because we've always been like, we have to know JavaScript and we have to be really good at JavaScript and JavaScript is the be all end all for the front end. It's really not. If you think back to the PHP, like not back to like people still use PHP all the time, but when PHP was a big deal, uh, a lot of your logic and UI generation and reactivity was done on the server through PHP. And then all that HTML would be sent to the front end. To be just displayed to the user, the user wouldn't care about JavaScript or whatever, they would just get the web page that they need to get, get the information move on. And that's kind of the ethos of HTMX as well, with the additional element that you could technically still add interactivity, like a button can still fetch some data and return a block of HTML that's dynamically generated based on the data that was given it to it. But now you don't have to really write any sort of extra JavaScript to be able to even fetch that data because HTMX handles that for you, and you don't have to write any JavaScript to generate the HTML because HTMX can send it back to your like from your server, which could be PHP, Node, uh, which would be ironic, but <laughs> I think people some people use it with that, uh, or P or Rust or Go, like any any backend or any language really that you want that can work on a server, you can use. To do all of kind of your front end reactivity that you could think of, and that combination has really given it a lot of popularity with people that are especially kind of leaning towards the back end. I've seen a lot of back end devs like start to really get in a little bit more into front end because now they have a way of interacting with the front end without having to, you know, quote unquote learn JavaScript because what whatever like it's not that hard, but like it, it, it is for a back end dev. I mean, but it it is a leap and it is something that people don't like. So this is allowing people to interface with the front end in a way that they enjoy better. This is
1: definitely like reminiscent of, I think you've said it even, like Tailwind CSS. But, you know, like for more reactivity and for more sort of interactivity with the, with um, developers. Like, do you do you see yourself using HTMX at all, Mike, for like a specific
2: project or anything like that down the line? Uh, for me, like... See, I'm a front end dev for the most part. Like I, I do a lot more server stuff now, but I do, most of my server stuff is in Node.js. Like I, I don't see myself really using this. Like I, I love the tech and I think it's a really good option for people that aren't front end and aren't into JavaScript. But I don't see a JavaScript dev benefiting too much from HTMX. Um, it's cool. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be using it anytime soon.
1: I remember you were, you were showing me like, even just the, just the marketing alone on this, on this was like pretty funny. Like it's a lot of memes and that's everything. And like you said, like Carson's kind of be kind of like shown his, like his, his, his marketing talent. Cause you're like, man, go check out this. You know, this is like blown up. Cause like you said, like when you, when we last talked to Carson, it was just around 2000 stars. Now it's, you know, completely blown up well, more than 10,000 or more, more than 10 X, you know, where, you know, from where, where he was there. And like, so it, it, it's really Kind of kind of blown up I, i'd love to see some projects i think designed with htmx because i've never seen anything like in the wild kind of like in a showcase i'm sure there's some there's a bunch out there that i could check out but it'd be uh, super interesting to kind of see something like this because it just it feels like it would be something something that would be you know how like tailwind kind of makes it easier to just sort of like quickly you know Kind of like add everything into the class area, you know, and it has like all those kind of pre made classes. It, it kind of feels like it would be that kind of like the shortcut for that. And the reason why it'd be interesting is I'm sure it's super divisive, or some, some people would be like, that's too messy, you know, you shouldn't use HTML for that and that type of thing. So it'd be kind of interesting to see what people's thoughts are and what they've built with it.
2: Yeah. And I think people love that argument and that that's part of the meme is that like the, the argument between the people that are like, why would you ever do this? And the people that are like, this is the only way I ever want to code because I don't have to touch the stuff that I hate um, is kind of funny and is kind of really interesting. But it, it, it is interesting to the fact that, like, this is starting to bleed into industry right now. Like there are actual significant amount of jobs that are starting to post HTMX as a requirement. Uh, Microsoft recently actually posted some jobs with HTMX as a requirement. Uh, so, like, it, it is bleeding into industry for sure and it, into real life. Uh, which again, that's why I think it's a really cool piece of tech. Like I'm, I think Carson's done an amazing job with this, not from a, just a marketing perspective, but an actual like technical perspective, because it again it allows developers that just don't want to deal with the JavaScript nonsense uh, to still have very good and easy to use interactivity on the front end, and that's really all a framework is. Is like allowing you to display UI elements based on the data that is presented and then also send data back to a server or an API. So HTMX can do that. Do you think that
1: HTMX is something like, I know you're saying it's showing up on on job things. Do you think that it's, you know, something that should be on the radar of junior devs like looking to get in, or do, would you still be sort of primarily worrying about, you know, like your classics, like your React and your Svelte and those type of things and Vue and whatever, you know, Whatever kind of shows up a lot in those job um, postings. Do you think that or do you think that HTMX is something that somebody can pick up quick enough and it should be on their radar for sure
2: as a junior dev, like just learning? It depends what kind of junior dev like I I hesitate to, to recommend every junior web developer that wants to work in web development, pick up HTMX to all of a sudden, like increase their chances of getting a job. Um, because I don't think it's particularly the web developers that are loving HTMX personally. I think it's like the backend devs, again, the ind- like other devs, like other industry devs are the ones that are being like, oh, shit, I can get into web development now without actually getting into web development. So if you're in a different industry, like in a, in a different vertical in development, HTMX might be something you want to learn on the side just to be able to be like, oh, I can interface with the web now pretty easily with all of this other knowledge that I've gained before with all the other uh, tech that I know. So I think it's more that than like junior web developers learning it, but uh, who knows, it might, might, you know, that might change. Um, But I think with that, we can move on to our last little conversation here. This is more of a conversation, I think, uh, that sprouted from a random meme again that I thought of and uh, kind of popped into my head recently. And it's like when a friend comes to you and they're like, I have a great idea because they know you're a developer, right? They come to you and they're like, I, I know you I know you do code. I don't know what code is, but I know you do code. I have insert whatever industry killing thing here idea. So for instance, I have an idea to beat Facebook or I have an idea to beat Uber Eats or whatever. And you're faced with that like really awkward moment of being like, no, you don't, um, but you don't want to actually crush their dreams or whatever, because maybe they do have a great idea. So I wanted to talk about that situation because I think a lot, if you're get, just getting into web development, you're going to probably have this situation come up. And if you have been in web development for a while, I'm sure you've been through the situation, but I want to take it from a different perspective of one thing. I don't want to crush people because I think. If we go up to all of our friends and tell them that all their ideas are stupid and that they should go back to just doing what they do best, that's going to stivy them uh, creatively and kind of just it's kind of a dick move. You know what I mean? Like they were so passionate to bring it up to you, just telling them that it's a terrible idea because of X, Y and Z and uh, then leaving that for nothing is is the wrong choice, in my opinion. And second of all, who knows who your friends are? Who knows how talented they are? Maybe there is a situation where it does make sense and you should pursue it. So those are the two angles that I wanted to come at it from. Um, And then like, you know, get, get, get Matt's opinion on how he handles the situation. But for the first angle uh, where a friend kind of just comes to you and you're obviously know that the idea is pretty bad. So like if it's a Facebook competitor or something like that, what I really like to do is I kind of. I break it down to them in terms of like, this is what you need to be successful in this space, right? Like, if you want to build a Facebook competitor, you need to be able to onboard, you know, fifteen million to twenty million users in an X amount of time. Like, how? What's your, like? I, I, who cares about the tech? Who cares about the code? Who cares about the, what what it's gonna look like? Even, what's your strategy on that? Like, if you're really passionate about this, it doesn't matter how you get there. It's like the strategy of, and the, and the dedication that you have to getting to that number that you need to prove that it's a potential concept that is good. And 99% of the time, when you break it down in a way that like explains to them how difficult it could be to breach the number that they need to reach, they'll be like, Oh, you're right. Right. Like, and, and they won't be like, you're right. Like, Oh, I'm an idiot. They'll be like, you're right. Like this would take X and Y and Z and Z. Like, I don't I don't have the time for that or I don't have the experience for that or I would need to hire for that. Like it would just take a lot of money or whatever. And it's an easier way to let them down because it's a logical way to be let down uh, rather than being like, oh, that's a dumb idea. Um, And the times when it's different, the times when it's like a little bit of a more realistic idea. And this is how you can like vet a friend essentially as like if they're really serious what I like to do in that situation, like, let's say, like, hey, I want to have a, a thing that, like, goes to all the restaurants, uh, I, like, an app that goes for all the restaurants and picks their uh, cheapest meal, right? And have, like, you know, like that, that sounds like a decent idea, maybe, like, whatever. In that situation, I do kind of the same thing, but I take it to them a step further and be like, hey, if you're serious about this, like, think about the data entry you're going to have to do. Pick a city. And try to try to get it done, like try to like you don't need to be you don't need to make a pretty app for for something like this to prove a proof of concept. It Create an Excel sheet, call every restaurant and ask them what their cheapest price is or go on their menu, go on their online uh, thing and take their cheapest item and then update that every week and then see if that's a doable thing that you could scale. And if they do it and that you could see that, hey, like they've made this Excel spreadsheet, they've gone through it and they do it for a couple for a couple, few weeks. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, they've shared it across friends and the friends like it and stuff like that. That's a proof of concept. Mm -hmm. That's a real, that could be a real idea. Like if they find a way to actually like do the thing and put the effort in, then like it becomes a situation where like, Oh, maybe we should partner together. You're obviously invested in this, like from, from an idea perspective and a time perspective, it would be fun to work with you. Like, it's not a big deal. I can put a couple hours in every week. And it could be fun. Worst case scenario, we just have fun together. Best case scenario, I mean, you've already proven that a, hum- a bunch of people are interested in this. It could be something. So those are the, like two very drastically different situations, but handle them kind of a similar way to come to a goal of like, it could be fun to build something with your friends, but you need to make sure that the person you're going to be building with is invested in it, essentially in their own, like it- it's their idea. Are they willing to prove that it actually is a good idea?
1: Well, I, I like your idea of kind of giving them something to, you know, something to do, like a task to do to, to vet how serious, because you don't know how much they're a fan of just the process of just, oh, I like coming up with new ideas and sort of like writing broad strokes things. And I like the idea of having this big company that's going to, you know, absolutely be the next big Facebook or whatever it is. Um, but then when the actual legwork comes in and they have to actually do something, they're late, they don't really do it, and it's sort of like, okay, they're not really a fan of this, they're just sort of maybe enamored by the idea, or they like idea generation, and they're not really there for the legwork of creating this thing, um, because it, it is a serious problem, and, to be, and, it, and it's very possible that it could become a very lopsided relationship, and that goes for you too, though, as the developer. If they, if they come to you and you're not super into it and you assume that they're not super into it, but they are super into it. And then you don't, you don't really pull your weight. You know, it looks bad. And there's been so many projects that I've been a part of, whether personally or even professionally, where there's just one side of it, not willing to pull their weight. This goes into companies as well. This is not only just, you know, your friend doing this, although it's really is the same principle. I've absolutely been in companies where they say, don't worry, we'll loop in, enter department here and that department is either not willing doesn't want to do it or it's something like they give us somebody who they know is going to screw it up but they don't want to sacrifice any of their good workers so they give you like I better are saying it the worst worker on the team they're completely useless they you know they don't want to do anything blah 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 or they they constantly email back with like you know questions that have been answered they're not answering emails fully these are things that can happen between you and your friend and like, again, and and, and can and do happen in between uh, different parties in a company. And so the big problem really is, is, is when you shoot down their idea or you don't even shoot down their idea, you just sort of go like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I'm like, I don't have time for that right now. And they kind of like, kind of push you for it. Like, Oh, come on, man. Like, it'll be good. It'll be fun. It'll be this, it'll be that. That's where I really struggle with this type of thing. I don't know if you have any specific feedback on that, Mike. But it's sort of like you know, we 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 take your your concept of like kind of give them a task and see how they are, and then you know maybe if they do that task, maybe you would be interested. But what happens when you're just like blatantly not interested, but you don't want to like shoot down their idea? Like my like hold part of my mind, if you will, says that you just say that to them, and if you just say, hey man, I'm not interested, and you just sort of like put up that brick wall. But if you do that, right, and you do that and it's sort of like a permanent, you know, sort of like thing where you're like, hey, you know, I don't want to work with you. Um, If they're passionate enough about the idea, they'll just work around you. So it's almost like a vetting process, whereas if they're so offended or whatever that you don't want to work with them, that they're just going to shut down their idea. Then it wasn't that good of an idea to begin with, or it wasn't a good idea for them to start it to begin with because it because it, it was so fragile to be shattered, you know so easily by something like that.
2: I don't know how to handle that to be honest with you. I have a hard time with that too, but I, like like I just use the if I don't have time, I don't have time, so that that is a very real excuse that I use quite often in that situation or be like listen i i just swamped at work i have a family i just can't deal with i can't do that right now like it's it sounds like a cool idea maybe you should try it but like i i can't help you with it i've done that before i don't know how i don't know how good that feels i don't know how bad that feels it's just like reality that's that's real life um if it's something again that you're really not interested in or you think is a really bad idea i i, I go back to that the method of breaking it down to them in the way that will hopefully either like put up a barrier for not to put up a barrier. That's a really bad way of putting it, but like explain to them why it's a bad idea from not an attacking perspective from a perspective of like real life. Like this is what these companies have to do to do what you're trying to do, right? Like this is their server costs. These are like, this is how much, how many employees they have. Like, this is why it's hard to do this. Uh, And then let them make the decision themselves at the end of the day. Like, again, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't really know who your friends are all the time. Someone might like find that idea all of a sudden and be like, listen to all of your feedback and be like, no, I still have this idea and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it there. And right. Like, that's fine. Like, that, that's perfectly fine. And that's not it's not your job to destroy them. But it, I as a friend, I'm usually pretty honest in like at least the facts and the situation so that they at least go into it with as much knowledge as possible. Like I'll, I'll I'll spend a little bit of extra time just making sure that they understand what they're getting themselves into. Right. Well, I do have a rebuttal to that, but before I do that, I want to update you all on my
1: caffeine intake situation. Now these episodes may be uploaded in kind of a random order, so you may hear hear uh me talking about it out of order, the story out of order, but you can piece it all together because it's pretty simplistic, but I am happy to report as of right now. uh, I have been on um, with very few exceptions, one coffee a day for about a week. Um, I've been doing the decaf game. I've been doing the one coffee in the morning and that's it. Just one coffee. The rest of them have been decaf. If I have any coffee, Uh, I have magic mind sometimes in there as well. And that's it. Like that's my caffeine. That's my like, pick me up, whatever the few exceptions that I do allow myself are of course, like if we're at dinner, you know, it's kind of an event you're at dinner and it's like, let's have a coffee. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to not do that, but I will say this is I'm much calmer. I'm not freaking out as much. I used to like break out into like mad sweats and like freak the absolute crap out uh, at my desk about stuff. And that, that, that was just how I handled everything. (laughs) I don't know if that's good or bad. That's pretty well gone. I've only had like a few moments where it's like, oh, my God, this is really bad. Like, this is not good, you know, type thing. Um, And then it's gone away really, really quickly. So I have like, like Magic Mind has absolutely helped me sort of wean off of coffee and and, you know, help me focus during the day and those type of things whenever I have it. Even over the weekends, like I figured the weekends would be like a cheat day and I'd be like craving the caffeine and I just have the decaf. I just have decaf instant coffee and I'm just fine. Like, I'm just not. I'm just doing fine and i'm probably going to move over like i do have an espresso so i'm probably going to move over to decaffeinated there but like the point is is like i am i i'm a lot calmer i'm not freaking out and like i got here quick now i don't know you know everyone's unique and you know some people are probably going to be probably would have drank way more coffee than i ever did and some people are going to be way less and still think that they're sort of addicted like some people still think some people that i've talked to think that they're addicted you know, at two cups a day where they're like, oh, my God, like I had to I had a cup at 3 p.m. And it kept me up all night. I've never been that person. Like I can have a cup at 10 p.m., go to bed at like 1 a.m. And, I, and I'll and i still fall asleep if I'm tired at that time. But like the coffee has never been the thing that, that that's kept me up. So everyone's unique in that way. But no, like Magic Minds absolutely helped me on this journey and a journey that I didn't even set out to do. I was just originally going to be like, okay, you know, I'll try this stuff. I'll try to just replace a coffee and see if I can replace a coffee. Then I'm like, hang on, I'm a little bit calmer. Maybe, maybe I should try this. Like maybe I should try cutting out one of the coffees. So, you know, again, down from two to three coffees in the morning and multiple during the day down to just one coffee. And that's a real thing. Like I am, I've had one coffee. It is empty now. And I'm probably going to warm up the kettle after and go and get another whatever. And I would like to say also, I'm cutting out like I haven't even cut out because I just don't norm- naturally drink this stuff. I don't really drink pop, you know, or soda if you will. I will occasionally have like a zero zero sugar one. I'm mostly drinking bubbly, which is like LaCroix. It's just bubbly water with a bit of flavor in it. So like
2: bubbly life, the bubbly
1: life. bubbly life, and which is obviously like a subreddit that has also taken off re- as of recently. But no, like Magic Mind has absolutely helped me reach this point. And if anyone in my family had ever a- had asked me, you know, how do I get off the caffeine? I'd absolutely suggest to them, hey, try this out it worked for me cuz like i'm i'm living proof like i just today i forgot to have it and i'm just totally fine it's it's absolutely helped me you know stay level i've actually lowered my caffeine intake and and i do notice that when i take it on like really busy days when i do take it it helps me focus i'm laser focused i'm there just like what my caffeine addicted friends and family may you know seek from their coffee oh i'm about to go into a meeting i have to have a coffee maybe that's what they're maybe maybe that's what they're reaching for it's certainly what i used to reach for i don't reach for that anymore and i'm leaning slowly but surely toward trying a matcha drink which is one of the ingredients in magic mind and and i'm I'm, i mean i'm not i'm no chemist i'm no doctor but i assume the matcha is one of the things that has less caffeine than something like coffee and so i assume it's one of those things that really like kind of help me wean off of coffee as much and i just have it in the morning now so and it I assume I hope that uh, just a straight up matcha drink will taste great but again it's in magic mind go check that out and if you want to check out magic mind you the listener want to check it out you can go check it out they have a January promotion you can go check that out we have a unique link it is magicmind.com/jan html and also a unique promo code html20 the link will be in the show description it will also be in the show notes go check that out and if you use if you use both the link and my code you're going to get the best deal off you're going to get up to 75 percent off the january 2024 promotion specifically is that you get one month for free when you're subscribing for three months and if it's way past January and you're like, shoot, I missed this promotion, it's okay. You can still use that promo code, HTML20, for up to 20% off one-time purchases. Go check that out. If you're trying to get off a coffee or you're trying to replace one of your coffees during the day, you're trying to get a little bit more, flow, more, more focused, enter sort of a flow state, if you will, go check that out. And Mike, my rebuttal for your thing is, What happens if someone's coming to you and asking not for, you know, I have the next big idea. What happens if they come to you and they're asking you to help them in their developer journey career? And it, it's kind of the same, it's kind of the same set of, 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 um, parameters there where they're going to be like, I'm going to go into Microsoft and like absolutely revolutionize like people will come to you with stuff like that. Or, or they'll come to you with stuff like, you know, I'm going to, I'm like the best programmer or whatever. Like, you know, I'm using this super advanced thing called HTML and it's like, Oh, sorry to say this, but HTML is not that advanced. So how do you help someone there? Cause we know we're talking about letting people down off of their next big idea. What if their next big idea is just like, Hey, I just want to work with you. I'm not trying to make an app. I'm not trying to, you know, you know, revolutionize the industry, but I'd like to get a new career. Like, how do you. How do you deal with that? Like, obviously, if you have time and they want to mentor, that's great. But what if you just don't have the time to mentor, either?
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've had this situation happen many times. Uh, I do a very similar thing where I give them a task of like, here's three or four courses that I get started with. A lot of times, it's going to be actually pointing them to Scrimba, uh, where they have a really good like interactive editor. They don't have to worry about setting up their environment and all that. Like it's just a little bit easier to get started at least and i i tell them like hey here's a couple few courses get through them and then get back to me after the courses are done like uh, let me like we can we can have another session like this where i'll take you through the next steps see where you're at see what you're comfortable with and maybe you know create a project for you to work on something like that like i have no problems it's not a lot of time you know what i mean like that that kind of mentorship is not a lot of time and if they're willing to put in the effort to do like to take my advice and then go above and beyond. Usually you're going to need to do that. Then I like, I'll probably, you know, spend that extra time. If it's a friend, I'll probably spend that extra time. 99.9% of the time, they won't come back to you.
1: Yeah. Like people have actually asked me, like, I want to make this project or like, I want to learn something in this case, learn to code. And I'll be like, Oh, okay. Like start here. And I usually just send them an eight to, to W three schools. Cause it's something they can just try in the browser Cause they're not a coder at all. And I don't hear back, (laughs) you know, you just don't hear back and it's gone. And it's just like, this is almost a lesson for both the, like I'm going to be the next business entrepreneur or like I'm going to be the next biggest programmer for both of those things. It's like a teachable moment for us as web developers as like, you know, our time is precious. We have a lot of stuff going on, you know, for work and for play and for everything else going on in life that Unfortunately, like you can't just keep giving like, could you could you imagine if like six of your friends around the same time came to you? It's like, I can't pick a choose like do we start a queue up? You know, what do you do? It's just too many things. I remember years and years ago, somebody approached me and they said, oh, like I'm going to university for something to do with health, health, like physio or something. And they said my entire idea is to go to school for the for like for these four degrees. And it was crazy. It was like a really big regime of schooling. And then I'm going to contact you. And he pointed at me and I was like, what? And he's like, you know how to code. And he's like, and we're going to make this app. And I was like, you're going to go to school four times. And then you're going to come to me with this app. And he's like, yeah. And then you're going to show me the double whammy. Then you're going to show me how to code so that we can build this thing out together. I'm like, so am I supposed to like stay available while you complete four degrees, four degrees. It's like some of them were certifications or something. So it wasn't full programs and yada, yada, you know, the logistics, but it's like, man, Like, I'm not going to do that. And like some people just assume like, oh, you're a programmer. You type fast or something. You should have time for me. And it's just it's one of those unfortunate sort of lessons. And it's one of those unfortunate things you're going to have to happen. And I mean, I'm sure, Mike, I mean, just as a closing note, you know that everyone will contact you to shop for a laptop as a developer and everyone's going to contact you to set up their router and everyone's going to contact you to fix Enter tech thing. This monitor used to turn on. Now it doesn't. Can you please come help me? And it's like, man, like I'm not IT. And you and I have actually had to do that with people. We used to kind of do a little IT for clients. Now it's just like, sorry, man. I don't know. And it's like, yeah, but you would you would know how to troubleshoot it, right? I do, but like, so does Geek Squad. You know? (laughs) Like you're gonna have to call. Like, I can't, I can't be your IT person, your idea person, your coding friend. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's just being pulled in too many different directions.
2: That's exactly it. Yeah. So you have to put a line somewhere. I put a line in it. Like, I, I don't really help with it unless it's my direct family. um, Cause I'm not an it person anymore. Like I, I I'm not that. And I, it probably, I probably wouldn't even be that helpful. Like, but even if you were, <laughs> even if yeah. you were like,
1: it's like, the, <clears throat> excuse me. It's like the classic cliche, like the shoemaker's daughter never has any shoes. Yep. It's like my, my PC is taped together. I work <laughs> and keep my workplace all together. My PC is all taped together. Like, why are you calling me? And it's like, yeah, but you're this the tech guy. Like, you can just help me. And it's like, man, I, I can't, I can't. And I've been shamed for it. I've absolutely been told, told for, like, sorry, I don't have time. And it's like, yeah, but like we're family. And I'm like, so should I like take a day off of work now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It starts getting a little foolish. It starts getting a little silly. For some reason, with tech, and you, Mike, and I, have, and I've, I've discussed this a million times. For some reason, with tech, common sense seems to go out the window with with a lot of people. Like it'll be like, there's a green button and a red button on your screen and it says go, and one says stop, and you want to go, you'll get a call. Hey, I got this thing on my screen. I want to go. It says go. There's also one that says stop. What should I press? And I'm usually the person that goes like, well, try one, and they'll press stop almost every time for whatever reason. Family members don't get it. I don't know. Weird. It's a weird, it's, it's like a vacuum. I don't know. It's like a vacuum of knowledge that just doesn't make sense. But anyway, I think that concludes this episode. Remember that we are on Patreon. If you want to support the show, that's patreon.com slash HTML. All things and many thanks for our $3 tier, $3 tier patrons. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com. Mako Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se. Jeff from Twitter via atthejeffmichael. Fire Ant Season via FireAndSeason.com. Gunner Brunette via gunnerbrunette.com. Watoto Coding via watotocoding.com. Garrett goal and Level Up Financial Planning via www.levelupfinancialplanning.com And we'd also like to give a shout out to a contributing author, Michael Araka, on the HTML all website. Michael is the author of the Self Taught the X Generation blog at self taught txg.com. Link will be in the show notes. Go check that out. And remember, we also have a Scrimba. We also have a Scrimba discount link if you want to go and learn with their interactive media we need interactive media player code editor and you want to get some get some good learnings on there good learnings that's kind of good weird learnings. but anyway you want to get some good learnings on there on that website go check it out link will be in the show notes as well for free to leave a comment or review in the platform you're listening to this on and this outro will sign us off
0: you've been listening to html all the things podcast Signing off.